Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. If you have your Bibles and you turn to Daniel chapter 6, I know this is a Christmas season. I am not unaware. Um, Jesse, if you want to help me today, we want to just move these down there. You can leave the stickers off the back if you would. Everybody give Jesse a big hand if you can with your Bibles in your hand, helping us out today. I want to talk to you a little bit about a very key component in your life for living for God. And this is something, this is a new year coming up. I kind of began to look into the new year already. We've done a lot of planning for the new year. But um, as I was looking into the new year and seeing after the Christmas service, I wanted to talk about today, um, I wanted to talk about this subject. And, you know, I, I think that when we when we're dealing with our lives and we're going through daily schedules, we can forget that we can kind of drift from God. How many know that's true? You get busy, you have schedules, you have all kinds of things, and it's easy to let yourself just do your schedule and continue, and all of a sudden you look up and you're quite a ways offshore, amen? You've drifted out into the ocean of ways and you know that there's some need in your life and you find that you have to go and seek out God for those things and come back to a place of humility, maybe back to a place of dedication, maybe even back to a place of desperation of God. Because while we drift, we lose our desperation in God, amen? And if you don't have desperation for the things of God, you'll never touch the hem of his garment and receive virtue. You'll never reach for God with power. You've got to have a desperation in your soul, and that desperation drifts from all of us because we're human. But the spirit is willing, though the flesh is weak, amen? So I want to talk to you for a little while today about invisible fences, things that you can put up in your life that will keep your behavior and your conduct and your lifestyle in check and inside an invisible fence that keeps you from harm spiritually, amen, and harm in life. So Daniel 6, I'm just going to read the first four verses. Darius the Medes uh, decided to divide the kingdom into, it's going to be a little bit different, that's King James, to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel. Everyone say Daniel. He was a Hebrew. And two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself. Everyone say proved himself. It's important that we prove ourselves, amen? Proved himself more capable than all the other administrators of high offices or officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Wow, that's awesome. A Jew over the entire Babylon empire. How awesome is that? But it was because he was brilliant, he was smart, he used his gifts for God. Hello, somebody. you got to use your gifts for God. And then the world will see and they will put you in high places. Then the Lord obviously does that as well. Then the other administrators of the high offices began searching for some fault the way Daniel was handling, in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they could find could not or couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful. I want to say faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded 
our only chance of finding grounds for accusation. They were digging up dirt on Daniel. Amen. They were trying to find a way to pull him down. The only way that we could find grounds accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So they decided to have the king, King Darius, write a law that said that nobody could worship. And you may know the story, you may not. And Daniel decided, I can only worship my God. I will not live by a law that undermines my relationship with my God. And that day, Daniel made a decision that put him in the lion's den. But if you know the story, you know this, that Daniel came out of the lion's den. Amen? Amen. So if Daniel was living in our day and had a throwback, if he had a, if he had a uh, throwback Thursday on Facebook and he posted something, his throwback Thursday would look like this. <laughs> Throw that up there if you would. Oh, it's not here? Okay. Well, never mind. We'll, we'll go back to that. I, we, I thought I had given that in enough time, but I'm sure I did. But that's we won't worry about. Anyways, it's got Daniel holding a line over his shoulders. That's his throwback Thursday picture. Amen? Because he came out of it. And so that's what I want to preach to you about for a little while, is Daniel had an invisible fence about, around his spiritual relationship that no law or no man could keep from him, keep him from living those principles, and it kept him in the lion's den. So let's pray together as we go and look at a new year coming on, and we, we begin to seek God for what he wants us to do. And, and, and I'm, I'm believing that God's going to teach us something here today that's going to affect 2016. Jesus, thank you for the time we have together. Thank you for the word of God that's going to go forward, and thank you for your help through the story of Daniel. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. There's something that we have to learn very young about the invisible fences in our life, and that is that nobody else can really see them all the time. They are decisions that you make, spiritual principles that you learn from the Word of God that you make a decision on that I'm going to do this in my life. And others may not see it until they choose not to do something that you have decided you will not do. And then you say, hey, hold on, that is not something that I want to do because I believe that I please God when I don't participate in those things. How many know there's invisible fences that should be in our life? So that it's important that we understand I have three three different seats here and I want you to know that there are a lot there's a lot of focus in life on what we do amen when you ask somebody hey hey um how's it going nice to meet you what do you do it's almost one of the first things that come up in the conversation well I'm an engineer or I have this degree or I have that or I do this or I do that and even in your young life as as you guys are going through college and, and stuff all the focus is on what you're going to do with your life okay and this chair represents relationships all the relationships that you have in your life the people you're going to spend life with okay and that's very important when you're younger because you're trying to decide who who you're going to spend your life with, whether you're dating or you're looking for a wife or a husband. You're trying to figure out, okay, not just what do I need to do with my life, a career, but also who do I want to spend my life with? Some people say, who's my soulmate? I don't really believe that, but <laughs> some people do believe that there's a soulmate for them. And I don't, I'm not going to go into that today. But, and then also there's this other chair, which is what you're going to be. And unfortunately, we put all the focus on what we're going to do and who we're going to do that with, and we often forget who we're going to be. And unfortunately, the B, this chair right here, determines how well you have these. 
and it determines the longevity of what you do. Now, in 2015, we watched as different people high in society, senators, government officials, different people lied and had corruption and different things. And we watched them fall, even uh, high athletes. And and you see it almost every year. You see people that seem to be at the top have, you know, bubbled up to the top of their artistic ability and and their household names and artists and different things and athletes. And, And then you see their life and mistakes that they make and things that they do. And you're thinking, how? in the world I mean you look at their life and you're like if I was married to someone like that I would never cheat or if I was if I was a government official or a senator and I had that much power I would be so careful with that power and I, why why would you do something like that if you were so if you were so high up and you had such an amazing career you had pushed your way to the top of professional football and you still are a thug you know what I'm saying and so we see this in, in all these things, who they, do, who they do their life with or what they're doing, the professionals and, and hanging out with celebrities and different people and, it's supposed to, and they post it everywhere and that's supposed to be the high life, amen? That's supposed to be the place where you go, the people you're with and the things that you're doing and the things that you have, but unfortunately we forget that what we are always comes out eventually. And so if we don't focus on who we are becoming first, We will never be able to sustain a relationship with anybody very long. And those relationships, even though they may be there, will be shallow at best. We know we have all of them. We have friends that are just so far in, you know, and they don't really come any further because you just can't really develop that deeper friendship with them. Maybe not because of what you're being, but maybe because of what they are. Because they didn't focus on this in life. They've always been focused on who am I hanging out with and what am I doing. So we have to be careful. And maybe for you, um, this is a concept that you already knew. This isn't new. I know that. But if you learn this lesson of focusing on who you are first before you ever decide who you're going to be with and what you're going to do in life, you'll be farther ahead of most Americans, certainly farther ahead of most people that have made no decision at all. They just kind of go with the flow. And maybe I'd like to do that. Maybe I'll go to college for that. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe not. I don't really know. And constantly moving from one side to the other of the street, not really knowing their direct path. But when you decide to be something like Daniel did, he said, I'm going to serve my God. And I'm going to be faithful to my God over everything else. And I'm going to be faithful as a man of God. He had an integrity that said, I'm going to be this first. And from what he was being, it developed a relationship with the king and with the administrators. And those relationships were so good and he excelled so well because of what he was that those that were with him saw it and he became a candidate for the entire empire. Do you see what I'm saying? If I'm, if I'm being too over, overly um, emphatic about this chair, then maybe it's because I know I've been in relationships that didn't survive because of this right here. And maybe it's because I've done things that I realized I had to go back and focus on that a little bit before I could come back and do this again. Because unfortunately, some of us are very talented. Some of you in this room are very smart. You have intellect, you have the ability to learn very quickly. And with that intellect and with those talents that God has given you, amen, you can sweep past, you can literally take 
the opportunities that have been given to you and the talents that have been given to your life and you can run right past your character to the point where your character is back here and you have been elevated to this point and we see it happen in the athletes and in senators and governors. They have so much talent. Maybe you're very whimsome. Maybe you're very attractive. Maybe you have the ability to make friends with people instantly. You're really good at this chair right here. You can walk in a room, put out a hand and just talk with people and just, you're like the natural born salesperson. Okay, you can do this really, really well. And guess what? You'll get promotions and you'll get job opportunities and all kinds of things will come your way and, and it will seem like other people have few options, but you have a plethora of options. You could do this. You could do that. I could sell this. I could go here. I could start this business. I could do that. You have all kinds of things you can do in your life because you're so gifted. But if you don't focus on this, eventually this will crumble and it will not be a chair that you can sit on. And so will these. There will not be relationships you can trust in because you forgot to be something first. And we do this all the time, don't we? We pray prayers like this. I mean, come with me real quick on this journey. We, we, we go through something, we, we get difficulties in our life, then we begin to pray for God to change things for us. And then we realize maybe God's changing us, so we, we're smart, we understand that. Our heart picks up on God wants to change us. And so as we begin to change, we start praying, God, I want to do more for you. God, I want to be better at what, what you want me to do. And you start praying real prayers, desperate prayers. And you say, God, what do you want me to do? And God is saying, no, 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 that's not what I want. I don't want you just to do something for me. He says, I am here and I want to change you so that I make you what you need to be so that I can bring the relationships into your life that will be long-term relationships and will be healthy for your spirituality. Because right now where you are, is not suitable to where I want you to go. You see what I'm saying? And so sometimes whenever we're sitting here going, but God, look at all I'm doing. Look at all the great things I've done for you. Look at all the times in Matthew, it talks about people that come before God and they're like, look at all that I've done and look at all that I've been able to accomplish. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. That word new means you. I was never intimate with you. You never stopped long enough to let this get right because that was right. You never took a moment of time and got down and said, God, I don't want anything from you. I don't need anything from you. I don't need to know what I'm going to do next. I don't need to know where I'm going to go next. I know you clothe the lilies of the fields. I know you care about the birds and everything like that. And you will take care of me. So God, I come to you with a desperate prayer right now. Would you please just make me what you want to make me? Would you please just mold me and craft me? Put me on that potter's wheel and make me everything you want me to be so that whenever I stand up from where I am in life, I'm convinced that I have it in me because you put it there. 
His spirit is designed to be in us so that he can form us from the inside out. The spirit of God fell on man because God knew that if I don't start here, this will never work and that will surely never last. And so God comes down in the power of his spirit and he falls on us in this room. And it's not just a song and it's not just a hand raised, but it's God working on the inside of us to make us what we need to be so that we're well able Scripture says God is well able to do things. Why does it say God is well able? Because he has the character to to sustain any relationship. And he has the power to work at any time he needs to. Because God is all in all. He's everything he needs to be. And if we let him come in, his spirit will fill us. And we'll receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he'll start to work. And you have been there. Maybe, maybe you notice that I have even been there as a pastor. You watch me as I change, as I'm going through different things in my life. And guess what? I'm always sitting down at this chair in the morning in my quiet time and saying, God, what do you want me to be today? Because if I can tap into the heavenly hosts of those that are singing holy, holy before the throne, and if I can just worship God for a few minutes, he'll come into the room and he won't give me a laundry list of things to do. He'll touch me and change me. And by changing me, he changes my future. So that's why we we preach repentance Water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because there's no reason for us to talk about all of this till we get you saved and right with your mighty God. Oh, that's good. Would you just thank the Lord right now for his work? It's powerful what he does for us. Powerful what he does for us. And so Daniel is in a situation where where he has the opportunity to make a decision. Am I going to obey the king's law or am I going to obey the king of king's law? And he chooses the greater of the two. See, there really is no exception to this in our lives. No one is immune from this. You You can't get enough good friends around you to change and make good out of what your character is. You have to seek God first and let him change you. Then build relationships that last and then do what God wants you to do. So it's what's inside of you that determines what you become. And that's why God puts his spirit in us. It will not happen for you if you don't focus on what you are first. It will not happen for you if you spend all your life praying, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? Because you've missed the point. Doing comes after being. And everything you are flows out of what you're, do, what you're being. And I know that when we leave the, the job and the career and all those things in God's hands, and when we leave all the relationships in God's hand, we can literally stand secure that if I take care of me, If I take care of what God wants me to be, he'll take care of all that for me. And it removes all the worry from your life 
removes all the stress and the weight and the trouble and the trauma and the, and the nights laying looking at the ceiling with tears running off your eyes into the pillow going, why God is this happening to me? What in the world should I do? You missed it. You want to do something when God is coming to you in the night and saying, you need to become something. And when you become what I want you to be, it's really not anything more than what you want to be anyways because if you were to sit down and write out what you your success story would be, you probably would come up with something very similar to what God may want for you. Because deep down inside of all of us, we know where God may want us to go. There's just this innate ability and all of our gifts and talents kind of come together and we know that God would send us there if we could just get our hearts right. If we could just get us right and we grapple and we wrestle with who we are right now and who we want to be in God. And that's exactly where we should be wrestling. It is a sweet and a beautiful fight to fight for who you are. In fact, in Ephesians 6, the Bible says, I was telling Kayla and Ben this the other day, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. That it's a spiritual fight when someone comes against you, but you also have to know that it says, put on the whole armor of God. How many have read this passage before? Put on the whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, all of those different things that it gives you. And it goes on the next verse and it says that you may be able to stand that you may be able to stand above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Go on to the next verse. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Next verse. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with with perseverance and supplication of all saints. Next verse. It's okay. We missed that person. But it says... Above all, taking the shield of faith, and it talks about the helmet of salvation, and it talks about, go, go back, it says that you may be able to stand, there it is, and having, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. You want to say evil day. How many know we're living in those days? I don't even have to preach about it, do I? We watch it. But you know what? Someone posted the other day, and I had heard it on the radio, that it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Amen. We don't have to stand here and talk about all the darkness. We can talk about how we are going to light a light that draws people out of darkness into his marvelous light. So it's an evil day. And having done all to stand, go forward, last verse. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, your midsection girt with truth, the the reproduction area of your life girt about with truth. Truth produces something in your life. Amen. So you have to know that that girt about with truth is talking about the reproductive organs of the body. And if you don't have truth in your life, you never will produce any fruit. And so it's important that you know that the truth of life and the truth for you is that you live by the word of God and you become something that God wants you to be. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. So it says stand therefore. And I wanted you to notice that with me that Whenever you take a stand for something, it's very important. But all of those spiritual gifts, those weaponry that are spiritually given to us, the breastplate of righteousness, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and all those different things are not so that you can fight. It says so that you can stand. It's so that you can hold your ground. So that you can be what God has made you to be. So that you don't drift, as we talked about earlier. 
so that you literally fight off the spiritual battles and the things that come against you. All of that weaponry is your invisible fence. All of that weaponry is the thing that holds you and guards you. And, and maybe you have not made this decision before now. And maybe this is the first time you've actually learned of this. And, and you're like, okay, I, I, maybe I want to play professional sports. Or maybe I, maybe I want to get a really, um, maybe I want to marry up. And, you know, all of these things that you've been thinking about doing. But maybe a preacher hasn't told you, yeah, yeah, but what are you? And here's, here's the important thing, okay? The invisible fence around you are the decisions that you make on what you decide will stay in your life no matter who comes and who goes, no matter what job comes and what goes. No matter how much you make in life, you will keep these things with you because they are who you are. And some of those things are words that I found out as I was, you guys may not know this, but as a funeral director, I'm a licensed funeral director. And as a funeral director, I sat down and I put together a folder. This is a little bit morbid and I'm sorry, but I put together a folder of things I'd want said at my funeral. And I was trying to figure out, and it's a little practice that, that they recommend you do. And, and I know it's not something that you're really thinking about whenever you're 18, 19, 20, 35. But they said, think of all the things that you'd want someone to say about you when, at your funeral when you pass. And then go about living a life that's just like that. And you will find success. And what I did was I started thinking about and distilling out different key words that I want. And this will help you. Key words, because this is what it means for all of us sitting here. Key words that help me keep my invisible fences up. Because I noticed as I put these words into my life that it created a force field around me. And I couldn't step out of the behavior that was inside that force, that fence. Because when I got out of that area, I realized I was damaging more than just that one thing. I was damaging more than that. And I want to give those words to you today. And I hope this will help you as you decide to do different things in 2016. I believe it will help you. There's about four words that I found I wanted in my life. Number one was honesty. I want to say honesty. And there's, there's a real reason why you ask yourself if something's something you want in your life. You, you ask yourself the question, why do I need honesty? And Stephen Covey wrote a book a long time ago now, but it was Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. I don't know if you've ever read that book. But he said in that book, he said, what you want said about you at your funeral is your personal definition of success. And I found that whenever I took these words you know, and not the word of God, but when I took these words that I, that I have, one was honesty, another one is purity, or pure, being pure. Another one is generous. And each one of those have a, a word off of them, and the fourth word is fair. I wanted to be honest. I wanted to be pure. I wanted to be generous in life. And I wanted to be fair. Those are the four things that I came up with for me. And then I... I realized as I wrote out what I wanted people to say about me when I passed that what was, what was on the pages of my journal in that book, I found out was exactly what God wanted for my life. My definition of success in Jesus Christ distilled out what he would want for me. It was very powerful. So I began to ask the question, which we all should do is, so what's at stake? What's at stake if I'm not honest, Jesse? 
what, what's at stake here? And what I realized was that if I don't be honest, there will be no intimacy in my life with any relationships. You can't build a relation deep enough to make up for the lack of honesty in your life. And you know people and I know people that have been in that place where you, you have a relationship with the mom or the dad or the friend and, and you guys, you know, you know each other, you say hey, you, you know, you fist bump, you hug them, whatever you do, you know, your thing, <laughs> you know, whatever secret signals you guys have, you know, whatever, boom, blow it up, uh, I don't know, whatever you guys have, but you know that they lie a lot and you know you can only get so deep in that relationship. And so it not only affects what relationships you have, but it affects the job and the places that you go and the things that you are succeeding at in your lifestyle. Because if you can't be honest, none of this works. There's no depth to anything. And so I found out that it wasn't just that I could go someplace with friends and they were going to be dishonest and I was just going to go along with them. Unfortunately for me, dishonesty equated to failure. Because when I was dishonest, I was damaging a relationship. And every time you're dishonest, doesn't matter, across the board, you damage some relationship. Somewhere a relationship is going to be affected by dishonesty. And so that's why Christians are honest to a fault. We literally call up our boss and say, hey, I messed up, before he has to follow, find out about it six months later. And whether he chooses not to let us do anymore and takes the job away, that's fine, because I'm going to be honest before I keep that job. Do you see what I'm saying? And so people don't really understand why you're calling, telling on your own self, saying, hey, I messed this up. I want to make it right. And you know what? When you come like that, usually they're like, okay, yeah, you can make it right. Go ahead, do this, this, and this, or don't worry about it. Things happen. I'm glad you called me. I'm glad I didn't find about it out about it six months later, and just know that we don't have a good relationship, and you're lying to me as your boss. You know what? Simply put, if you will be what God wants you to be, he will make grace happen in your life. He will make opportunity for people to say, you need to go, but they won't. They'll say, you know, it's all right. It's okay. I know you messed up. We're all human you know see I know things happen don't worry about it and God will make space for grace if you'll be what you need to be he'll make it available for you to do things even when you mess up and you're human is this okay today okay I'm trying to help somebody and so then when you talk about purity you ask the question why why do I want to be pure what's at stake here and what we have to understand is purity. I got those backwards, I'm sorry, but it does fit. Honesty builds relationships. Purity builds intimacy. But if you don't have purity, you can literally have no glue. The glue of relationships won't hold together. And you'll go from one relationship to another because you just can't keep it together. And then the third thing is generosity. And generosity is not an easy one, is it? Giving. It's hard to talk about giving. I'm glad that we did Christmas for Christ and gave everybody the opportunity to make a sacrificial gift. I appreciate that. But you know what? That's not about this church. That's not about anything to do with what goes on here as much as it is about what's going on in the heart of your life. Because 
whenever you become a generous person, when you say, I'm going to be generous, I want to be that person that whenever I'm 25, 30, 35, people look back and say, man, do you know how generous that guy is? Do you know how generous that lady is? She gave and they did and they helped. And, they, and in that generosity, you realize that your stuff doesn't own you anymore. You own your stuff. And so then everything that you own doesn't affect a relationship. You have, Maybe you've had it, maybe you haven't. If you have a dad that's successful and he has a nice car and, and you come running out as a little kid and you're like, daddy, daddy. And he's like, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, my car, my car, whoa. Have you ever seen that scenario play out? Or, or mom, mom has just all these things going on and, and maybe you've had it bad. Maybe it's been so bad that you realize that there was stuff that they did and you're like, mom, dad, why, how, dad, how could you ever walk out on us? My mom and my sister, how could you ever just walk away and leave us? And they say things like, oh, you won't understand now, but you'll understand when you get older. How much older do you have to be to understand that that is just wrong? Or you ask your mom, mom, why did you trade in? Why did you, why did you, why did you take on alcoholism? And, and why did you go after drugs over your children? And I know that's kind of an inner city message, but maybe someone listening to this online two, three years from now, you'll need this message, not just the ones here, that if you don't learn how to be something like generous, your stuff will run your life. And the things that hurt you cannot be dealt with without alcohol. Because either you'll have a Messiah or you'll have a medication. It's your choice. Either you'll have Jesus to run to or you'll run to something else. It's simply that. That's the case. That's simply what it is. So, so purity. Um, so what was the first one? Honesty. The second one was purity, and the third one was generosity. And then the fourth one is fairness. Fairness. And those things in my life, if I'm fair with people, if I'm generous, I'm always giving, nothing owns me, but I own it. If I have purity in my life, I can have intimacy with friends and family and different people. And people can truly know me. Because I have gotten with God and I know myself. It's interesting that God always starts to talk to you. When you start telling him who he is and what you, he is to you, he starts telling you who you are. And we have to realize that, amen? When God asked, when Jesus in flesh asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they went through this list of some say you're this and some say you're that. And I'm finishing with this. And and when it got down to the point of talking about um, James, who was really, it was Peter. When, when Peter said, it was Peter, right? Yeah, thanks. My Bible scholar over there. <laughs> when Peter got to the point of saying, no, no, no. Some say you're this, some say you're that. But in, Jesus was saying, yeah, but Jesse, who do you say that I am? Who, who am I to you? You know, I'm sorry to use you, but appreciate you. He's not going to sit on the front row again. <laughs> who am I to you? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't have a conference with the disciples and figure this out. But this is a revelation that came from God. And he said, 
when you get that revelation, when that light came of who God was to him, Jesus turned around and said, Peter, thou art a rock. He had never been called a rock in his life. His, his, his whole life was literally, he was a person that was impetuous. Everybody knew him as impetuous Peter. He would later take a sword out and cut off an ear because he didn't want Jesus to be taken from the garden. He was so impetuous. He had such a temper. But yet here is God saying, no, you're a rock. First time anybody ever called him that. And you know what? Peter found out what he was going to be. So then in Acts 2 and 38, we find a message so beautiful. Because when the time came for him to be what God wanted him to be, he had the revelation of who God was. He had the revelation of who he was going to be. And he stood up and said, men and brethren, this is that which was spoken of the prophet Joel. And he was able to develop relationships for others with God off of what he was because he promoted the gospel and spoke the gospel and he was able to be what God wanted him to be, which was a great man of God. And I really want this for you. I really would like for you to receive this today. Would you stand with me if you receive it? Would you believe that God wants to make you all that he wants you to be? And maybe you can make this exercise real in your life. Maybe you can sit down and say, okay, if far, as far as my successes go, I'm not going to let something that I do stand in the way of something that I am. And I want to help you right now. 99% of every decision you make from this point on, if you will decide that I'm going to be all God wants me to be, every relationship decision and every job and opportunity decision that you have, that decision is already made. It's already made. Yeah, it is. Because you decided what you were going to be. And no matter whether there's benefit, no matter whether you lose money or you don't, doesn't matter whether it's a high position or a lower position you have to take, as long as you keep your character, you stay close to Christ. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, today, we want to be all you want us to be in 2016. God, some of us have had relationships that in, we got a few days in and we realized that relationship is not going to be as deep as our hearts desire. Lord, some of us have such a deep walk with you in this room that we desire more. And we've been asking you, God, what do you want us to do? And you've been sweetly coming with a soft word saying, I want to help you to be something more before I ever give you a task. I want you to, to know that I am by your side. And you began a metamorphosis in some of us already. Come on, seek after God. You began a change in us, Jesus. And if we leave this room today deciding I'm going to be what God wants me to be, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be pure, and, and maybe it's hard, maybe, maybe taking a step forward in these four words in your life is going to mean that you limit some of your options because you've been living some dishonesty or you've been living an impure life for a while or maybe, maybe you haven't been generous and it's going to be so hard for you to lay down some things because you might have to sell something or put something aside in 2016 in order for you to own your stuff and your stuff not own you and maybe maybe just maybe you're going to have to go to that person and swallow some pride in order to be fair with them and say I'm sorry please forgive me it's more important that I that I have the
with God. It's more important that I be what God wants me to be than everything else in life.